Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm your co-host, Menas. I'm joined, as ever, by Paul Dennett. Paul, we're recording this after another test victory by Australia. Yeah, Menas, um, I had all set to be very funny and just um, answer your question with talking nothing but the World Cup. Um, but um, it seems that Mel McLaughlin's beaten us to the punch. Jaleesa Apps, our, our co-host, sent us that uh, footage of uh, the Channel 7 cricket podcast and um, Mel McLaughlin began by just talking uh, purely about the soccer. So we'll get it out of the way, but it was um, a, a fantastic uh, performance by Australia. Pity they couldn't beat Argentina. And yeah, the Aussies, as expected, were far too good for the Windies. Yeah, so Australia beat the West Indies by 164 runs in the first test match of the summer and the first match of their two test series and player of the match with Marnus Labuschagne. And we're going to get into all the match details. So Paul and I couldn't do daily test reports this test match. So we, we decided to just wrap up the whole test match. So Paul and I will be wrapping up all five days. And then actually you get two shows this week because Paul and I are reconvening in the middle of the week to, to dive into all the other cricket news because we're we're on the precipice of the Big Bash starting. England are breaking records on the other side of the world. Uh, so there's so much to talk about. But but in this episode, we're going to wrap up 
Australia's first test of the summer. Um, before we get into that, though, this episode of Cricket Unfiltered is brought to you by NordVPN. And at the moment, cybersecurity is a hot-button issue in Australia with some very well-publicised hackings. And, you know, everyone, some people are nervous about getting VPNs because uh, they think they're going to slow down your internet speed or your connection. But don't worry, NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs in the world. And um, you, you won't even notice it running on your computer. Um, so um, for for with my NordVPN account, I can protect up to six devices and I don't have to worry about hackers or, or uh, malicious sites or anything like that. And you can have complete peace of mind that your computer and data is protected. I have to pick you up there, man. This is not one of the fastest VPNs in the world. It is the fastest VPN in the world, NordVPN. Um, as for me, as always, I'm about the live sport, whether you're in Australia and you're trying to watch a sporting event that's not being shown here and you've got to flick it to another country, the VPN can do that and vice versa. When you're overseas, you want to watch something that's only being shown in Australia, you can do that as well. And as I said last time, you feel like a superman, you feel like Superman, it is a great power to have. So, yep, Nord VPN. And so if you want to take up a special offer for Cricket Unfiltered listeners, you can try it risk-free with a 30-day money-back guaranteed. You go to nordvpn.com forward slash Cricket Unfiltered. Now, I've put that uh, link in the show notes. Please, if you need a VPN, use that link so they know uh, you're listening to Cricket Unfiltered. And as I said, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee. So go and give it a go. All right, let's get into wrapping up the first test of the summer in over in Perth at Optus Stadium. Uh, well, Paul, just what are your reflections on the match? Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about um, uh, the crowds and the fact that it's um, a pretty hard sell up against the World Cup, and there's been a lot of doom and gloom about it. So you know, if we there's kind of there's the match itself, and then there's the surrounding talk. Uh, I think. As far as the surrounding talk goes, cricket just has these uh, – it's very cyclical. When Australia's playing England, when Australia's playing India, when there's a World Cup on, it goes through the roof. But uh, some of the other times when um, we're playing – sadly, the West Indies are now a much lower-drawing side, we have um, low periods. And I distinctly remember when the West Indies were out here in 2005-06, them – because there's been some quotes from Steve Waugh in the paper – in the last couple of days about, um, you know, how the, the, there's a bit of a lack of interest. 2005-06, they asked him, he just retired, did he watch the Australia versus West Indies um, match that had just gone by? And he said, it's a pretty hard sell to, to compete against the soccer because Australia just beat Uruguay to qualify for the 2006 World Cup. So I, I think it was always going to be a low point in terms of interest. It doesn't mean that cricket's dying, that the national team is hated by the public. It was never going to be good. It wasn't in terms of the crowds. They weren't the worst ever, uh, but it was. I don't think, as far as the off-field things are concerned, that it's as bad as everyone's making out. Um, you were you sent me the crowd figure, and what the total figure for the five days was around forty thousand, which, whilst being quite low, it's it's certainly um, not the only sort of test match at the same period that's had that sort of attendance. Well, I live for moments like this. Um, in March, I uh, contacted Rick Finlay and said, I heard you've got every crowd ever in Australian cricket. Can I buy it off you? And he said, sure, make me an offer. And I went, I don't know, 50 bucks? Um, maybe if I'd said five bucks, he would have said yes. But he said, yep, for 50 bucks. So I'm the proud owner of the, the every attendance figure for every test match ever held in Australia since 1877. So if anyone wants any facts about it, just, just hit me up. And I think that 
Um, yeah, 42,723 this test match. It compares not too bad to the last time that there was a test match between Australia and the West Indies in Perth in 2009. The total crowd then was 44,610. Or even when you go back to um, uh, 1997, so back in the West Indies, towards the end of their heyday, Australia had already won that series 3-1. The West Indies won in Perth to make it 3-2. That day, the first day, which was a Saturday, they got a crowd of only 10,091, this time 10,929. So you'd say back in their heyday, um, you know, the crowds in Perth weren't that enormous. Now people would say, rightly, Perth's population has increased a lot since then. And when you've got a brand spanking new stadium, more people should be coming to it. But it's a very hard sell on a Wednesday when the, the the prospect of much competitive cricket wasn't all that high. And I don't know why they didn't have it in the WACA. They, they always had the plan, I had thought, that they were going to leave the WACA for the really, um, you know, keep Optus Stadium for the big ticket matches and have the smaller test matches in the WACA where these crowds in the WACA would have looked quite good. So I think obviously that that that's out the window. Um, the WACA is only used for sort of the domestic uh, matches now. Uh, but I think it's a pity that they didn't use it for that because it looks pretty ordinary in a 60,000-seat stadium, only um, the best part of, um, you know, 11,000 people on day one and um, a little bit less on day two and a little bit more on day three. Yeah, Nick Hockley, the CEO of Cricket Australia, was asked about whether they would play some matches in the WACA when it's uh, updated. There's uh, some renovations going on there, but he didn't commit to that. So I think you're right. I think they're, they're going to try and use Optus Stadium for all the test matches. Um, and I guess, you know, there was a lot of talk that maybe the Australian team would be booed and Pat Cummins was going to get booed. But, you know, with the crowd sort of spread around that vast stadium, uh, it would be pretty hard for the crowd to sort of turn on the Aussies. I think it would have been pathetic if they turned on the Aussies. I mean, I, I certainly understand people who wish that Justin Langer had not been um, uh, let go as Australian coach. And I understand that the, those feelings would be stronger in Perth than they would be elsewhere. But, oh, geez, you know, I think you've got to be a pretty special sort of person to boo Pat Cummins. God, you know, he's one of the most likable guys in the world. Mm, uh, absolutely. And I, I think it's as well around the sort of um... – I don't know, the stuff around the ill into energy and um, there was even some crazy criticisms online of uh, the fact that the Australians were taking a knee before the test match. I mean, I just I just don't get the these people in the public that want our cricketers. They, they, they say they want our cricketers to be characters, but when they start doing stuff that they don't like, then they criticise them for it and tell them not to do it. It was a good thing that they took a knee. And Pat Cummins' decision to no longer be involved in Alinta advertising is a fantastic thing. Uh, so uh, there was also a lot of talk in the lead-up to the match around the whole Justin Langer uh, issue. I actually didn't watch any of the Channel 7 coverage. So I have no idea what his commentary was like or whether he interviewed any of the players. I know, though... Uh, I think quite purposefully he he went out onto the ground before play on the first day and was seen embracing players and saying hello to a lot of the players. I know there was reports, obviously, he and Marnus were very close. They had a lot to say. So I think Justin Langer really did try and just put this all to rest. Uh, got on, got as I knew he would because he's such a good guy. He was such a good coach. I knew he wouldn't sort of keep this going. So, um, yeah, I think it just sort of settled everything down, and I'm happy about that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think he did really well uh, in terms of. And he was also embracing Mitchell Stark. Like there's there sort of you know genuine warmth in the uh, in the interaction between those two. He took part in interviews with players. There seemed to I think all of them just must have come to the real to the um, 
to the decision that whatever differences they might have had, the they were fairly minor in the grand scheme of things. Let's just get get over it and, and show a bit of class. And they all showed some class, and I thought it was really nice. Um, so I think it was a um, hopefully draws a line, uh, rules a line across that issue, and then we can yeah we can move on beyond that. So congratulations to Langer for the way that he comported himself. Yeah, it's probably time for me to move on then. Um, I, I thought though, um, you know, someone who is so wise <laughs> and was, was such a good captain of the Australian cricket team was Mark Taylor. And he said something leading up to this test match that, you know, that Langer and the players, they should think about, you know, what this is doing to the health of Australian cricket. Don't worry about their own self-interest, but, you know, the overall image of the game and, you know, the, the old adage of let's leave the game in a better place uh let's leave the game in a better place than when we started. So I, I sort of thought, you know, Taylor's words were wise and the players and Langer reacted accordingly. Yeah. And I, I think so. And sometimes you can look back and say, okay, maybe the end of the relationship didn't pan out the way that would have been nice, but on the whole, that they have come a long way since the debacle of um, Cape town in, t- in 2017, the team has achieved much. I think the team is more popular now with the public than it has been in a long time. And I think that the players and Langer deserve credit for that. So, yeah, um, let's move on. Uh, Menace, I know you do get paid significantly by Justin Langer for, for all that you say, but maybe it's time to even consider um, ending that sponsorship that you've got with him. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, if the issue goes away, he's not going to need my services anymore. Uh, all righty, so let's get into the cricket. As I said, Australia won the test by 164 runs. Pat Cummins won the toss and elected to bat first. And it was Australia's first innings that set up the victory. They made a four for 598. Usman Khawaja made 65. Manus Labashain made 204, his second double century. Steve Smith made 200 not out. He levelled Don Bradman on 28 test centuries. Travis Head agonisingly was dismissed for 99. He's the seventh Australian to fall for 99 in Perth. Um, a lot of those obviously happened at the Wacker, but a commanding first innings for Australia, Paul. Absolutely. I have a kind of a thing for when the great batter of um, one era and the great batter of the next era are putting something together. Like I, I love it when Greg Chappell and Alan Border had a big partnership or Alan Border and Steve War or Steve War, Ricky Ponding, Ricky Ponding and Michael Clark. Well, Steve Smith and Marnus Labashain are that. That the the two, you know, Steve Smith, the best batter of, of his era. Marnus is, is becoming the best batter of, of his era. And obviously there's a sizable overlap between their two eras. But the fact that they between them put on such a sizable partnership made um, it made the made that um that opening day for me. And although there was a lot of other things about the day that weren't so good, especially the West Indies, I thought they were particularly disappointing with the lengths that they bowled. Um, when you see two of the, you know, Steve Smith's definitely going to be one of the greats of the game and, and Manus Labashain looks like he's going down that path as well. When you see two of the greats get big scores, then you've got to be happy. Yeah, so on that first day, David Warner was out early, uh, driving it a wide one and uh, played it back onto his stumps. He did make 48 in Australia's second innings. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about Warner's form in Australia. Are you, Paul? No, um, I think that, um, no, I'm not, not in Australia. And I, I would like to see him be a little bit more aggressive. Um, I know he got out aggressively in the first innings, but, um, yeah, I, I think that, um, yeah, yeah, no, short answer, no, I've got no concerns about his form in Australia. Yeah. So then Usman Khawaja and Manus Labashain put on a nice partnership. 
Um, for the second wicket, Usman Khawaja, has said, made 65. So Marnus Labashain had an amazing game. 204 in the first innings, his second double century. And then in the second innings, 104 not out. So he's the eighth player to ever make a double hundred and a century in the same game. And he's the third Australian. Quite phenomenal. And what about this for his average, courtesy of a Rick Finlay tweet? Um, Labashain's average before the match was 54.02, after it's 59.31. So he, he it had dropped away a little bit back down into the still very, very good mid-50s, but now he's right back up there challenging, um, you know, challenging the greats of the game. And I was, I was listening to the Triple M coverage at one point, and they made the point that in a, in a short space of time, he'd gone past, I think it was Wally Hammond, Gary Sobers, and Kumar Sangakara as far as an average was concerned, just in a in a short space of time. So heady stuff for, for Labashain and for Smith went from 60.02 to 61.63. So he's right back up above, you know, of anyone who's had any sort of sort of proper length of career, um, only Bradman's now above him again. So I find that uh, super cool. Yeah, just back to Marnus. So he's played 29 test matches and now made nine centuries in those 29 matches, 50 innings total, 21 scores above 50. That's a remarkable conversion rate. And, you know, you think about how slowly he started in those first sort of half a dozen tests. And then when he came back in um, for Steve Smith at Lord, since then, uh, he's just been unstoppable. And I think Langer deserves credit for that as well, that he was really a champion for, for Labashade in those early days when the figures don't, the figures weren't that great. But Langer clearly could see something uh, something magical and, you know, feather in his cap for for um, for how well Labashain has done. If, if it hadn't been for Langer being for such being such an advocate, it might have been a year or two later before Labashain really had his breakthrough. So well done, Justin Langer. In Steve Smith, his 29th century, he was asked after that whether he could catch Ricky Ponting's mark. Now, is it 40 or 41 test centuries? Um, but, yeah, he he was asked whether he could and he, he sort of – yeah, and he played very coolly that he might not be able, he might not play that much longer. Um, he's played 88 test matches. He's, um, I, I hope he's got a good three or four years left in test cricket. And then, you know, it's touch and go whether he could get to that 41 centuries mark. Yeah, but I, I think you would have to be fairly um, conservative in the, answering those sorts of questions because he would know that there's one, he's one injury away for, or, another pandemic away. You know, he, he, look over the last few years, since 2019, that enormous summer that he had in England, um, things haven't been quite as good and haven't been quite as productive. There was COVID, there were other things as well. So I think it makes sense to not come gung-ho on something that you can't possibly be gung-ho about. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It was great to see Marnus and Smith playing on a pretty flat track against a pretty tired West Indies attack by the end. And Travis Head played the perfect number five innings, came out and just scored it over a run of ball. Played a, I don't know, he chopped the ball back onto his stumps for 99. So he'll be disappointed with that. And that brought about the Australian declaration. Then the West Indies were bowled out for 283. Chander on debut made 51. The skipper Brathwaite made 64. Mitchell Stark uh, took three for 51. Pat Cummins took three for 34, which included his 200th test wicket. And here's a great stat, again, courtesy of Rick Finlay. It meant that the first time ever in Test history, an attack had four bowlers with over two hundred wickets. That's quite phenomenal. Yeah, sure is. It just shows how how prolific these four have been. And Cummins, 
that 200 club that he's now in there and he's he's right at the top of it. You look at anyone who's taken 200 wickets um, throughout the history of the game, very, very few have a record to match Pat Cummins. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens for the for the rest of his career if he can, if he can maintain that sort of rarefied spot that he's in at the moment. Yeah, Pat, Pat Cummins is in the top. I think there's six bowlers that have taken 200 test wickets at an average under 22, and he's in that elite club. So that is phenomenal. Uh, I thought um, Tangerine uh, Chanderpaul looked really good for his 51 on debut. Paul, it's it's like seeing a, a you know a reincarnation of Shivnarine out in the middle. Yeah, and I think he, he did look good, and I uh, I think that other people have said this that it was it was one of the pleasing aspects of the test match that the West Indies batting. Uh, showed a lot of um, fight. Uh, they, 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 their second inning score was, you, you don't get that many, that, that many fourth inning scores that much in Australia, even though it was in um, a losing effort. Um, but just back onto their bowling on that, on that first day, I don't understand how it, it, it's a, it's a cliche that every Australia, every side that comes to Perth, whether it's Optus Stadium or the Wacker bowls too short and then learns that that's the wrong thing to do. How can that happen in 2022? How can they, not have said I mean you listen to Michael Holding talk and you listen to Ian Bishop talk why why aren't those two more heavily involved in the West Indies setup if Michael Holding was their coach he would have just said every ball with the uh, with the exception of the occasional Yorker and the occasional bouncer every ball needs to be trimming the bales on the top of off stump keep it there all day long instead of you know short ball after short ball after short ball um I, I thought it was a um I'd been saying to people that the West Indies bowling was the a reason that they could potentially compete with Australia. That their batting was the uh, the weak link. Well, it turned out to be the other way. I thought their bowling was particularly poor throughout the Test match. Yeah, I mean, I just thought they, they just didn't look like taking a wicket for a lot of us, any wickets at all, really. During they sort of, I thought they started the first day okay for a little while, but as you say, just not enough balls hitting the stumps. Um, so in their batting, they started their first innings pretty well, but then they fell away. And I thought Cameron Green, you know, really sort of uh, rattled the West Indies. He hit Bonner on the head and then he had to retire hurt and then was subbed out. And he also hit Holder. Um, you know, Cameron Green can really bowl some, um, you know, attacking, aggressive, hostile spells. Absolutely. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's such an exciting cricket. One of the sad things of this match is he didn't get a bat. Um, but yeah, with, with the ball, uh, you know, it's been said many a time, he came into first class cricket, uh, more as a bowler than a batter. And I know that they're managing his workloads because he's had some back complaints, but, uh, that aside, they should give him more, bowl, more overs than he gets. And it also brought about one of those strange things in, um, well, you don't see in cricket, but there's actually 12 batters on the West Indies first inning scorecard because Bonner batted and retired hurt and then was subbed out. And then Brooks came in as his replacement and made 33. So if you look at the West Indies scorecard, there's 12 players, 12 batters in that first innings. Um, so, yeah, so the West Indies all out for 283, straight batted again, made two for 182, as I said, minus with his ninth test century. And then the West Indies batted well into the fifth day, making 333. Uh, the captain, Brathwaite, made 110, so a good double for him, 64 and 110. Chanderpaul made 45, so good debut for him. Roston Chase made 55. Alzari Joseph made 43. And they kept Australia out there for a long time. I don't think they ever looked like really saving the game or winning it, but they certainly uh, put up a fight. And uh, Nathan Lyon 
took his 21st five-wicket haul. Six for 128 were his figures. He now has 446 test wickets, his eighth on the all-time test tally. And Travis Head had uh, continued his good game, taking two for 25. Um, So spirited effort from the West Indies, Paul, but ultimately um, just weren't good enough. That was a very spirited effort, as I said before. Um, I haven't actually looked up the numbers, but how many times in the fourth innings of a match in Australia would a, would a side get 333? It's actually happened a few times of late where sometimes pitches aren't deteriorating as much as they as much as much they once did. Also, it helped that uh, Pat Cummins didn't bowl at all in the, um, the West Indies' second innings. He had that quadricep um, stiffness. Channel 7 made a lot about him chasing a ball to the fence and uh, not diving and then looking, you know... <laughs> He reminded me of a bit of me, the way that he was running, like his hamstrings had just basically uh, crawled up and died. But um, uh, I'm sure that was just precautionary. Maybe well, he might sit I, out of the next test match and, and we'll get to see some bowlers. Yeah, well, he was asked about it after play in the press conference, Pat Cummins, and he said this many, many times. He said, oh, this is, you know, I should be right. This is normally a one-week injury. I should be right. This is a one-week injury. Now, I don't know if Pat realises, but the next test starts in about four days. So that's not actually a week. <laughs> so, uh, and, then he, and then he was asked, well, if he doesn't play, what will happen? And he said, Smith will skipper and Boland will come in and they're just deciding whether to bring in another fast bowler to the squad. So I'm actually, uh, my favourite is that I don't think Cummins will play because I don't think he'll want to risk um, injuring it more for the three South African tests. Um, and as I said, he kept saying it's a weak injury. And I kept thinking, well, then you're not going to be able to play. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that he should. Um, there's no point in uh, jeopardising what's going to come for the rest of the summer. And, you know, I think all of us would love to see Scott Bowling get another chance at test level. Now, you, you were pretty critical of Nathan Lyon in some uh, text messages to me, Paul, but I thought he bowled excellently in the fourth innings and uh, took some good wickets. And, uh, yes, you know, six for 128, um, good good effort from the GOAT. Yeah, I mean, no, it was, it was a qualified criticism. It was just, um, like, he bowled really well. You can't, you can't criticise a bloke who takes six for 128. I'm, I'm not criticising his performance in this match whatsoever. He bowled really, really well. It's just that each time in... In the um, when he's crawl, climbing up the the list of the most prolific wicket takers of all time, and congratulations to him, he's getting higher and higher in that list. It does stick out that his average is thirty two compared to you know many of the bowlers in that list averages are in 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 the low twenties or at least in the mid twenties. And I, I just sometimes think that it, it calls to mind the state of the game before Shane Warne came in, where people would sometimes say, there's actually no point in having a spinner. You might as well just go with four quicks. And then Warren blew that away because he was so good. I still think there's sometimes there's, there's a need to re- return to that. And yep, he got six wickets in this match, uh, in this innings. He, he bowled, um, he got um, um, two wickets in the first innings as well. So I'm not criticizing him at, at whatsoever. I'd be mad to criticize him um, in this match. But I'm saying there would be times when we'd be better off picking a fourth quick and then... Um, saying that, well, Boland would probably bowl better than Lyon, and then we've got Head and Labashain to bowl a bit of spin if we need to. But that's um, – I didn't put that in these notes because that would be a crazy thing to do, but thanks for <laughs> thanks for sharing our private text messages on. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, nothing's ever really private, is it, between us and this show? Um, a couple of things there. You know, well, uh, 
Pat Cummins actually said after the game, and he said this a lot this week, that, you know, Lyons almost the most important bowler in the attack because he, he can bowl 30 overs a day and hold up an end. And, you know, you, you, you know, he does add a certain level of control to proceedings when he's bowling. Um, uh, but just one other thing, though, did you see Marnus bowling medium pace in this match? Like, what the hell's going on? Well, I think it's just um, <laughs> cricketers being cricketers that, well, Cummins can't bowl, therefore we need someone who is, can go as close to replicate him as possible. Um, that's the way they think. So I don't, um, I don't mind him having a go, but I, I think his leg spin looks more threatening than his medium pace, personally. Yeah, I agree. Um, but and he bowled like three no balls or something in the over. He bowled, and which made me think, Paul. I actually really want free hits in Test cricket now. I've been sitting on the fence for this one for a number of years, but now I think it's strange when a bowler oversteps and there's not a free hit. So I'd actually like to see it introduced into Test cricket. I agree, and when people get really angry at that suggestion, I like to say the reason. I wanted introduced into test cricket is because I am a traditionalist and I love the traditions of the game. And they go, what, what are you talking about? Because that was going to be their argument in the opposite. But until the front foot, no ball rule came in and I'm too young to remember the the back foot, no ball rule. The, the, the notion was that because the umpire called it so much earlier, the batter would actually hear the no ball call in time and then slog it. And that was where the, I believe that's the genesis of the free hit in, um, in white ball cricket, they said that's kind of the best way that we can replicate that. Absolutely, it should be in the game because test cricket needs to do everything it can to um, uh, make itself appealing. And if there's a free hit, especially in test cricket, even more so than in white ball cricket, um, you're going to be watching. And I'm, and I, as I said, it just restores uh, an old tradition of the game. You had a couple of good catches in this in the West Indies fourth inning. Steve Smith took a perler diving to his left off Nathan Lyon. Enough Lions bowling's off holder, um, so that was a great catch. And Mitchell Stark took a fantastic outfield catch, running in and scooping it off the turf to I think take the ninth wicket. Um, so that was good effort. Andrew McDonald's obviously are not afraid to make them do the odd fielding drill. Then, <laughs> oh man, let it go. Uh, anything you want to add to our test review before we get into the commentary critique? Um, I suppose just one thing that it's kind of, um, I, I have found it disappointing that I'm a, my, my main c- consumption of media is through Twitter and through TikTok. And there, this, this test series was a hard sell, but there seemed to be no effort to even sell it. How come Cricket Australia on my TikTok feed haven't been appearing two or three times a day with showing highlights of Viv Richards or showing highlights of the Tide Test Match or showing highlights of all the great, massive, storied history between Australia and the West Indies to at least pump the series up to a degree. I mean, Michael Holding's little presentation that he did on that he does on Channel 7, uh, talking about the history of it, is, is really good. That they, I don't understand why they don't do at least something to try to build it up and why they aren't ready to sort of... Um, unleash something ahead of the South African series. Like we should already be starting to see on my, on my social media feed, Graham Smith getting bowled in 2008 and now being interviewed about it and um, talk of Bradman's amazing series against them back in the day. And um, the, the, the difficulties that we've had in more recent times, the, the 93, 94 test match, really pumping the history of it up and saying, this is something big. 
this Australia South Africa series is um, a rare opportunity for Australia to actually redress a problem at home because in recent times South Africa have it have had it over Australia at home. There's so much meaningless cricket. This is something that is meaningful. Where is the um, the real pumping of it up through the channels that more and more people are actually um, watching it? And that's just something that a little rant that I wanted to, to to go on about cricket Australia. I've looked at their TikTok feed, and aside from one thing they did with Nathan Lyon, which looked pretty nice, there hasn't been much at all about the the Test series. They should be pumping out four or five um, bloody TikToks a day about it. Yep, that's where all the kids are. Bloody TikToks. So I'm with you on that one, Paul. All right, let's get into a quick wrap of the coverage of the game. So, uh, you know, I was doing quite a bit of driving during this test match, Paul, so I listened to a bit of the radio and I um, listened to quite a bit of the ABC Grandstands coverage. And, uh, look, it was a fine standard. I would say um, I found it a little boring at times. I'm not naming names, but just overall I found the coverage a little boring. But certainly when Kim Hughes was on air, it wasn't boring. He is a loose cannon. Like, uh, I enjoyed it. He wasn't afraid to throw out some wild opinions. Uh, He's got some crazy stories. uh, And you don't hear from Kim Hughes very often. Um, But, yeah, he was kind of the one that really stood out to me. Uh, Not saying he was even that good just because he was wild. Did you listen, Paul? I had a few drives and I I listened to um, some of all three of the the coverages. I I kind of agree with you on the ABC. It's okay. Uh, Alison Mitchell's a star. Um, I think that their ball-by-ball stuff is good enough. Um, But their special special comments, their expert commentary is uh, okay. It sounds like a Sheffield Shield broadcast to me. It's um, when I draw a a comparison between it and, and what I hear in Test Match Special or what I remember back when, you know, uh, Peter Roebuck or Jeff Lawson were on there um, more often. Um, I just think that the standard is is at a, a lower level than it once was. Uh, it's not terrible, um, but I I too find it a little bit on the dull side. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't really try too much of the other ones. Triple M, I find that the ball-by-ball callers, Howie's pretty good, but generally they do a lot of TV calling when they're on the radio. So you'll get very vague descriptions of what the ball does. And if you're not really into the cricket and you just want to hear a bit of chat, maybe that's fine. But I like the really, you know, polished ball by ball commentators for radio that use all the little signposts where they, you know, flag the length of the ball. They flag the line of the ball. They flag the shot. They flag where the ball goes. And if a good commentator does all that, then someone who's watched a lot of cricket can put the the whole picture together in their mind. Whereas if you don't say that, and you just, oh, he played a missed. Well, what? You know, what did he do? What was the ball? Um, so that's why I still found the ABC probably the best for that. I, I mean, Look, I have historically on this podcast, every time James Brayshaw gets bagged, I've always said, I actually don't mind him. And I don't. But um, I have now understand what you're saying because I heard some of his ball-by-ball coverage. And I don't understand. It's not even as brief as what you're saying. Sometimes... There were one or two balls where he said nothing, and you you had to just um, uh, deduce as the listener that the batter had just sort of let it go. How hard is it to just say and he lets that go? Um, it's it's as though sometimes Triple M are a bit afraid that the cricket can't appeal to their audience in and of itself because they're, they're worried that this is a sort of a um, a rugby league Aussie rules audience who are not necessarily all that convinced about the cricket, so they've got to kind of pump it up and and and. Um, get the peripheral stuff going to, to keep it interesting. And, and you know, if, if that's what their market research indicates, fine. I'm, 
I'm delighted that there are three different coverages. It's better than back in the day when there was only uh, only one. Um, but yeah, um, no, there's, Triple M. There's parts of it that I really like. Um, <laughs> Brad Haddon continues to just not be bothered to learn to pronounce players' names after calling <laughs> Josh Butler Josh Butler. I heard him call Kimar Roach Kumar Roach, and of course. It goes without saying that he calls Craig Brathwaite Craig Braithwaite. Um, Justin Langer <laughs> called Brathwaite Braithwaite as well. It's like, I sometimes think uh, I'd almost like to get, um, you know, if I've got some 17-year-olds who are looking at it to be good cricketers, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of, can you pronounce this? If they say Brathwaite, say, look, mate, you're never going to be any good at cricket. You've read too much. Um, only those who say Braithwaite will, any be, will, will be any good. <laughs> uh, on that descriptive stuff, I was talking to someone because I was listening to some football commentary out of the World Cup. And again, one of the commentators was commentating on the radio like it was people were watching on TV and just saying things and you had no idea what was going on unless you were watching. And I've heard it on, you know, big bash calls. I've heard it on different all types of different coverage. And I was speaking to a commentator about it who was saying that they think it's because a lot of these people grow up watching TV coverage and they just mimic that and they're never actually taught the difference between, you know, TV and radio. Well, that's an extraordinary statement. I mean, uh, no, that can't be right. I mean, <laughs> people aren't that stupid that, that they think, Oh, I've I've never actually listened to something on the radio. I, I'm I'm unaware of the fact that radio doesn't have pictures. You what you're saying? The people can't see it. No, I I think that they just um um well certainly with the case of the Brayshaw, I just think that he's thinking that the, no, and I just think he thinks that the fans are not interested in the 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 minutiae of what's going on. That they're only interested in the broad brushstrokes, and maybe maybe they have a point, but it doesn't appeal to me. Uh, I briefly listened to Sen, and my inkling is it's probably the best that um. I was my drive came to the end by the time I'd switched to SCN, and they had uh, Waitley, who's fantastic. They had um, I think Ian Bishop on and Simon Cadditch, and that was um, um, that sounded like a pretty good trio. So they may well be the best. If I drive in the second test, I'll probably give them a bit more of a go. Yeah, agree. And as for the TV coverage, I really didn't watch a lot. I was binging a lot of podcasts while watching. So I'm going on a deep dive on um, the Star Wars uh, trilogy series, um, the, the Force Awakens onwards, that trilogy. So I've got about 10 hours of podcast listening lined up for the second test. So um, no one cops a whack from Fox Cricket because I wasn't listening. On Channel 7, um, Tim Lane is the best. Uh, he is the best broadcaster of cricket in Australia across radio or television, in my opinion. Uh, every year when I get to hear him again, I'm just, he's just, I've always liked him. Even back in the, in the nineties on ABC radio, who was always my favorite. And um, I, I really enjoy listening to him. Ponting is um, fantastic as always. Glad that his health scare was nothing much. Um, Alison Mitchell is excellent as well. Um, Langer was okay. He was kind of, as I expected, he's all right in small doses, but Hayden really, um, Hayden's all right again in small doses, but once you have to hear more than five or ten minutes of him, I, I don't really, I, I don't think he's good enough, frankly, to be um, uh, on the coverage. I think he's a good mentor, and I think he's got a lot of knowledge about the game. But as a commentator, after a while, he just he's annoying, um, and that's the sort of the the cardinal sin. But I still think that, yeah, I think that the Channel Seven coverage is better than any of the radio. Um, in the old days of oh well, you know, you 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 turn the TV down and listen to the radio. Not that I ever did that. I think that era is long gone. And yeah, this time around, I didn't hear any of the Foxtel coverage, so I can't comment on that either. Okay. Well, what I heard of the Foxtel coverage was pretty good, um, but that was only in very small doses in between podcasts. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that's it for our wrap of the 
the first test. I guess the, just quickly, uh, Ricky Ponting, there was a health scare for him on the third day of the test where he was taken to hospital after suffering chest pains. But he was back on, on the coverage on the fourth and the fifth day. So that's great news. And, uh, yeah, I think there's just, you know, I just think it's really important for for men in their, you know, late 30s, 40s and 50s to, to get a heart check. And that was just another reminder. Absolutely, yep, uh, definitely. Uh, I have a couple of can't let it goes minutes. I thought we were still doing that. All right, well, give it to me. What are they? Number one, as Roach walked out to bat at number 11, um, injured, and he only lasted one ball, so I couldn't really see just how immobile he was. It just made me think, now that we've got concussion substitutes, and you would have once said that's one of the hardest things to police, and you know you, what you're saying, you're going to have someone who's not in the 11 actually batting and bowling. If you'd said that to someone 10 years ago, they, their head would have exploded. That just was so anathema to, to cricket. And now it's in and it's fine. It's time to bring back runners. It's just stupid that, that you've got to go that, therefore, if you're limping, that you can't bat at all um, or you've got to bat and then um, try and hit fours. Just bring runners back and, and uh, regulate it. That's uh, a no-brainer, in my opinion. And the other one, I and I, I found it weird that when the cricket ended Sydney time at about oh, just, uh, just before 5.30, that at 5.30, they had half an hour to go. Rather than wrap up the game and interview the captains and um, have a bit of an analysis of the game, they cut straight to Sydney Weekender. Now, I didn't care. I was probably going to stop watching anyway. But I, I don't understand why that – I would surely think that um, the interviews of Labashane and, you know, if it's done well, those sorts of things would rate better than Sydney Weekender and be a better lead into their news. Uh, the, the fact that they just – cut it like that maybe the satellite costs i don't know but to me it almost looked as another example of channel seven uh you know they're seeing out their contract with cricket australia but they don't have much love for them i'm not sure i think if you're like a casual cricket fan and you see the match over and you know player interviews and presentations and analysis maybe that's when you start flicking and looking for something else so maybe they thought they could just keep more of the audience um with that other show you mentioned, obviously, you know, it's completely foreign to me because it would never work. But um, yeah, that's, a, that's the only thing I can suggest. No, but I, when I think of it, I think of the people like my mum, who's a, um, a casual fan. I, I think that's the stuff that would have appealed to her. If they, if they were talking, you got to hear some of the players' personality and, and whatever, you know, I, I don't know. Um, anyway, um, I thought it was curious that they uh, cut straight away to, to a different show, especially with just, just half an hour to go before the lead into their six o'clock news. All right. Well, good, because Paul had two can't let it go, so I don't have any, so that works out well. Uh, Paul, I think we should wrap it up. Uh, thanks very much for joining me to wrap up the first Test match. We'll be back on Wednesday for all the other cricket news, uh, but we'll catch up then. See you, mate. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, if you want to take up the NordVPN offer, the links are in the show notes. <laughs> On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family 
cannolis and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.